Well, Michigan State University is on the cusp of making history with construction of the university's first freestanding multicultural center set to begin this spring. In February of 2023, the Board of Trustees gave the university the green light to break ground this spring on the $38 million, 34,000-square-foot facility on the corner of North Shaw and Farm Lane. And it's great to have four people very involved in this project coming to fruition to talk about that today. We have Venny Gore joining us, who's the Senior Vice President for Student Life and Engagement at Michigan State University. Lee June is a professor of, in the Honors College and the Department of Psychology. And Maggie Chen Hernandez was the director of Mosaic, the Multicultural Unity Center, for quite a while. She's recently retired. And Sharon Reed Davis is an MSU recently graduated student, too, who played a major role in seeing this come to fruition. So welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Venny, why don't we start with you? Sure. Sort of what did the board approve exactly? What, what are some of the next steps? And, uh, and sort of describe when you came into the project and how you helped carry it over the goal line. Sure. So today is a momentous day. Uh, the board approved authorization to proceed, and what that means is that we're able to execute a construction contract with our construction partners, which will allow us then to put a shovel in the ground and start building this building. And uh, this has been a labor of love. Uh, Sharon, who is with us, was one of the student leaders that met with President Stanley in the fall of 2019 that sort of kicked this off. And our first step was to do a feasibility study. Two of my colleagues, uh, uh, Paulette Granberry-Russell and Denise Mainbank, and myself were the three executives that were co-chairing or tri-chairing the, uh, the feasibility study. And as we started down this process, what was really important for us is that this was student-led with student voice. And there were about 120 different uh, meetings and interviews that we had with the community over that because we wanted to ensure that this was a student facility. So we hired a group um, out of uh, Detroit, Hamilton Anderson. Uh, they are an architect firm, and, uh, and so they led the feasibility study. And from the very beginning, um, we wanted to make sure that we had multiple different opportunities, whether it be small focus groups, community meetings, or, um, or surveys to, to understand what our students wanted. And, and sort of build this from, from the ground up. And uh, in later on in the fall of 21, you know, we had authorization to plan. And that gave us the ability to hire another group of architects, the Smith Group also out of Detroit, who came in to help us, and, and Clark uh, White, who is our construction management group. And one of the really uh, good things that the Smith Group brought for us is not only their practice out of Detroit, but their practice out of Washington, D.C. And the two lead architects worked with a number of cultural buildings, including the um, African-American Museum mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., wow. and, and then uh, some other facilities in, in, uh, in Virginia. So we were totally ecstatic about them. And, and one of the things was that was important for us when we chose our architect was were they good listeners and this and they were extremely good listeners in working with students and so we've been really happy and I think what we'll see 
um, in this building is architecturally it's a beautiful building but in the inside is really where the magic happens and and one of the things our students says they want to have a living room where they can go and relax and hang out and be with be with their friends in between class in the evening and then we also have uh, offices for our cores and cops group and then upstairs um, there are a number of different conference rooms that will allow for student groups to get together to meet and the other important thing which I think Dr. June will you know, really appreciate is that this is just not only a place for our students to come as a place for education right. and so there are uh, three uh, small classrooms that could be made into large classrooms this gives us an opportunity to bring uh, cultural and um, faculty together to talk about the various different historical issues that are facing students or just learning opportunities so we really are excited about this building and the future for what it has let's bring in dr. Lee June who was there at the very beginning when the idea of a multicultural center at MSU came up. And uh, give us your perspective on this center coming to fruition. Give us a little bit of the background, how you're feeling today. I'm feeling great. Uh, it goes way, way back, actually. This has been a consistent concern of students. But in terms of an actual multicultural center, I remember 1997 and thereabouts, that President McPherson and and the board finally agreed that we would have a multicultural center. And I remember negotiating or talking to the students, and they really debated strongly. We want a freestanding. What happened then was they showed the students two options, Will's House on campus and the basement of the Union. And the students finally agreed that they would do the basement of the Union. But it was made clear even then that even though they would accept this, this was they were not satisfied. And so in 1999, uh, the first center was open. And uh, I know Maggie can probably remember some of the students' names. So 1997, 99, and then you fast forward to what, 2024? So what, about 25 years in coming. <laughs> so even with the uh, facility in the basement, they kept pushing, they kept pushing. Then they moved to the mosaic. And then what I remember is that while a lot of students, even from 1999, kept pushing it, then Miss Sharon and Miracle, I'm going to have to mention her name, really were the two group student leaders who really relentlessly kept pushing the university for a freestanding multicultural center. And I give her a lot of credit. And maybe, Maggie, you want to talk yeah. a little history about what you remember in 1999 and who some of the students were and how you were feeling then? Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. Wow. it'll be have, it'll, Once this building is built, it will have been 25 years. Um, super exciting. I, I think back then, it really was, I really attribute the multicultural center space that was in the basement to have actually happened because of the core's leaders, the Correct. Coalition of Racial Ethnic Students, um, which is composed of the different student leaders from Paso, the Asia Pacific American Student Organization, uh, Black Student Alliance, BSA, Crew, which was the Latinx student group, as well as uh, NASO, 
um, the Native Indigenous student groups. They, they're, that coalition of student leaders and various names, and oh gosh, that, that's going to be hard because they all blend together, but they consistently met. I remember very um, clearly before 1999 happened and be, um, they were meeting and they were so dedicated that these student leaders would meet um, at 8 a.m. on a Friday morning, on Friday mornings, um, that shows you the kind of dedication because they all had classes at different times of, of you know, the days of the week. And to meet on a Friday morning at 8 a.m. Um, to talk and to consistently, like, make progress, they understood that they needed to meet with various administrators. And I think, you know, it was due to their dedication and advocacy that the first space um, happened. And then along the way, I don't think it ever, um, it, it never escaped different core leaders' minds about having a freestanding multicultural counterpart. Correct. That was critical. Yeah. Well, Sharon, let's bring you in now and, and give us a little bit of that student perspective. Why was this so important to you? How are you feeling today? What do you hope the building does for our community? Um, I have high hopes for the multicultural building and for from the student's per- perspective excuse me when I was a student I don't know like first of all Miracle is the one that brought me into BSA she acclimated me to campus Miracle a Chapman. lot of people Miracle don't know Chapman. that yeah Miracle Chapman acclimated me to campus brought me into BSA and she's the reason that I applied for the board became president and everything else so definitely like Miracle is one of the big people she should probably be here talking about some of it because aside from the student activism from course miracle um tammy and sarah mcconville all created a org called students for a multicultural building in 2019 so we collaborated freestanding yeah freestanding (laughs) multicultural building and we got this language because maybe in maybe 2018 or Early 2019 could have been, um, I was in the Mosaic Center actually and just looking through documents because I felt like our history was getting lost. Um, So community was a big thing for BSA, but for me, like, I'm big on activism and advocacy. So I wanted to see, like, what we were fighting for before. And I found some of those documents that specifically said freestanding multicultural buildings. So I'm like, all right. They've been asking for that. That's something that we need. So when we created, like, our list of demands um, and presented them with President Stanley, we didn't just have cores and cops. We had students from Wayne State, students from Eastern Michigan. We had NAACP on board and students for a multicultural, freestanding multicultural building all on board. So it was a collaborative effort from different campus partners and some some even out of campus because they realized what a multicultural center, a freestanding building could say for the like campus community. And that was the most important thing. And like that dedication and commitment is what I think made it so successful because we all like sacrificed a lot to even do it i remember the day before which was two days before the black power rally um some people don't remember like we were like should we do this like should we really do this because it's also finals about to be finals around that time we're planning this big show and then we're planning a a sit-in in the president's office like nonetheless like that's a big deal and we were tired and 
just over it to be honest and we were thinking about canceling but then we got so much feedback and input from the community and all of our communities not just the black community we got so much input and feedback we're like okay the campus needs this like people are willing to show up and show out for this so this is something that is we're responsible for doing and it just wasn't us we were are standing on the backs of all of the people who came before us all of the people who fought for this so if we're gonna like go and move forward with all this stuff we have to do it to the best of our ability. And the freestanding multicultural building was only one of 10 demands, but that was the biggest one. That was the largest one and the one that we have been fighting for for the longest. So I was very surprised and excited when this was something that the administration was on board with. And I personally had a deep mistrust of administration like Paulette and Vinny and Dr. Royal and all these administrators <laughs> are the ones that like, changed my mind a little bit and I commend President Stanley even though personally like I had my reservations about him but he was completely on board as well like okay how do we get this done and he was willing to meet with us monthly and Vinny was willing to meet with us monthly like to get these things done and that's what made it possible so it wasn't just the students like we did have the the biggest voice or the loudest voice in it but it couldn't happen like without the backing of the staff, the faculty, and the administration, and the alumni that want to all see this happen. So I'm just, I'm very no, excited. I, I can tell. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, so, Sharon, why is it a, a facility like this important to MSU students? Just because every year something is happening on campus, some racial, some bias event is happening, and this is not just MSU's campus. It's across the world. That's why these spaces are important for, like what we talked about, education as well as belonging. It's giving students who are the minority on campus somewhere that they feel like is home. That's why the living room space was so important. That's why comfortability is so important because we need a place where we feel comfortable, a place where we belong. For me, my time on campus, that was the BSA room. I'm like, okay, this this is our space, you know? So we need a space like that for all of us. And it shouldn't be our various course rooms that are across campus and the one cop suite that's supposed to fit nine organizations. Like, that shouldn't be it. It should be a building for all of us. And even the groups that course and cops don't represent should be able to come into this building and feel at home like this is a place and even the majority students should come in this building and feel like okay this can be my home too and this is a place where I can learn learn something even if I never seen a black person before in my life I could come here and feel welcomed and comfortable enough to ask okay so what is the black community about like that's something that we need because the world is full of ignorance and hate and we need a place where we can come and let that stay out of the door and educate and bring people in and not push people away. So so yeah. well said, Jerron. And as, you know, Vice President Gore and Ms. Chen Hernandez know, in academic terms, there's a lot of research that shows that belongingness and having spaces like that contribute to students' well-being, also contribute to graduation retention rates and all of those. And early in the game, actually, the students did that kind of research and even presented to the institution. So you've offered that, I'm sure, yes. the sense of belonging. Yes. So I think um, one of the things that we see is the freshman, sophomore year are critical. 
And students don't leave Michigan State because of academic reasons or financial reasons. They leave Michigan State because they don't feel like they belong. They haven't found their place. And so this space is really critical to helping students to find their space. Because once a student feels like they belong, then they can do what Sharon did, which is to get involved in the student um, communities, groups, organizations, become leaders, and they get those high-impact experiences. And so that's what we are looking forward to in this space. I think there's one other thing that I'd like to think about. In So Janine and myself have talked about what we call a faculty in residence. And, and what we'd like to do is have a program where we invite a faculty to spend a year and for discussion around various different topics, whatever that faculty member's expertise may be. And because I think that's the other part that's important for us. I think also, too, this building for social perspectives. So for alumni and faculty and, and staff, that I think that the backside of it, the amphitheater, is critically important for all kinds of different social activities. So there's, there's a, a space here, I think, for all types of um, learning and opportunities to connect and become part of the Michigan State experience. I know Dr. June has some thoughts, too. No, I was just going to say, uh, you, you, Sharon has mentioned that, but we need to give credit again to President Stanley. I mean, you know, we've had many presidents, but in my experience, he was the first one that totally embraced the idea of a freestanding multicultural center. And then Provost, well, she was Provost Woodruff, got on board. Mm -hmm. Vinny was always on board. So we want to really commend him for bringing this to fruition. And Maggie, I'm just curious whether or not there are some other names that you might want to commend as you think about this coming to fruition in a year or so. Oh, there are two other names, I guess, historically. Bill Ladder and Jim Shepard. Jim ah, Shepard was in right, the right. MSU union, and he was the director of the union. And he was, right. and then Bill Ladder really helped us a lot. But any other names historically you want to shout out? Um, from the, I mean, I think that there's there's lots of folks. I mean, yes, there's a lot yes. of faculty, yes. you know, individuals who helped, uh, you know, really supported and was continuing to, you know, um, advocate. Um, other administrators, um, geez, I mean, you yourself was, you know, you were so critical, Dr. June. Um, I think Barb Krantz, yes, you know, yes. she's from budget and planning. Um, so when we moved up to the second floor, um, she was really critical to get the support. There's a lot of folks, you know, in Fer the... Phyllis Grumman the, who helped with an evaluation. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, there are a lot That's of right. people. Phyllis was great. Yeah, right. And I want to say one other thing, if you don't mind, about student demands, you know. Please. People like the Gore administration, they don't like students to make demands. <laughs> and here's what <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> you know, Dr. King said rights were the language of the unheard. And in many ways, I see demands as the language of students, and they feel they are unheard. And really, I'd I like you to respond to this, uh, Sharon, but in my experience over the almost 50 years now, students make demands not because they hate the university, they love the university, 
and they look at the university and say, we want it to be better. We want it to represent all of us. And so they make demands because they want to see the university become better. And I hope as we go forward and students continue to make demands, administrators will listen to them <laughs> and see them as the voices of individuals who love the institution, not hate it, but want to see it better. Do you agree with that analysis? Yes, I agree. And it's not like students want to leave the university because they don't have a sense of belonging. Right. They don't know where to where to start. Like this is such a big university that some students just fall through the cracks and we don't see them because you only see the people who have the loudest voice most of the time or the people who are who is actually showing up. Some students don't know how to do that. Some students don't have experience. So if there aren't upperclassmen or faculty and staff reaching out to those students trying to bring them in, they're not finding that sense of belonging, especially if you don't do like a summer program like Magic or SBI or something like that. You're not finding that sense of belonging until you get to campus in which you're now overwhelmed with classes and how big the university is. Like Students don't want to leave. That's why we make these demands so that we can keep our communities here. We don't want to fall through the cracks. We want to be here. And I know, like, admin does not like the word demands. People used to tell me all the time, like, when Dr. Maybank was here, like, Dr. Maybank does not like the word demands. Yeah, <laughs> and right. I just I just used to laugh because I'm like, okay, what, what other word should we use? But I'm thankful to people like Paulette or Dr. Royal who will sit with me and be like, okay, you can't say that, but you can say it like this. Or, like, will help students word things because sometimes we don't know like this is a business and students we're we're one of the stakeholders but we don't have that business mindset we're just looking at our way of life and if it's being compromised or if it needs to be better so mm-hmm. having those people in those spaces to be able to be like okay this is what I want to say but I don't know how and having people be able to help you with that that's how we come together instead of like having this wedge between administration and the students because a lot of students don't know administration they're not comfortable with them so having that I hope that the multicultural center will bring that like having that gap disappear that like that shouldn't be there or even with faculty and staff like sometimes faculty and staff aren't reachable um, and sometimes students aren't willing to go into those spaces because they're not comfortable there. A lot of students aren't comfortable with being uncomfortable. So we have to teach them how to become that way. Although we are here celebrating and we're just very happy about the Multicultural Center, I'm going to throw this back to you as a student. This is not the end, though, right? No, there are still some other things that need to be done, and we want to keep that in mind. We're celebrating and we're optimistic but there's still some things left to do, right? Yeah, like I said, like our demand, like the freestanding multicultural building was one point in a 10-point plan for the university. And students, like we'll say this, like this is our 10-point plan for MSU. And we don't have the bandwidth to be able to focus on all of those things at once. This is like, this is what we want to happen. This is what we want to see. Now, what can y'all do with it as administration what can y'all do with this but students are out of here they rolling out within four to five years sometimes six they rolling out so 
we need the admin and we need faculty and staff to be able to carry out these wishes because we, I told like my Ebor all the time when I was on campus, we're aren't, we aren't planning for us. The stuff that we are doing is not for us. It's going to oh, wow. be for the next generation because wow. we're wow. not going to be here to see it. But just because we're not going to be here to see it doesn't mean that it's something that doesn't need to happen. So. Wow. I can see why you were so convincing to President Stanley. (laughs) (laughs) So the one person that we we sort of hinted around a little bit is Paulette. Oh, yeah, okay. And, um, you know, Paulette has spent 20 years in her role as special advisor to the President's life. 20 plus. And she uh, was always really good at taking the extra moment in time to talk to students and faculty staff on her own time. There would be times in which I'd get a email from her at 10 o'clock at night and she's what? still in her office. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And, you know, and I, and so, but there are people like that that uh, really, you know, are why we're here today. And so I just want to make sure that Paulette. Granbury you know, Russell. Russell yeah, yeah, Paulette yeah, Granbury yeah, Russell. Yeah, Russell. You know, that people really appreciate the work that she did. Yeah. Maggie, any final thoughts? Well, I just, you know, I think that there are countless names. There's countless people who, you know, should be recognized and acknowledged. And um, there are just so many. And I guess for me, I think about it that it took, you know, it's taken a lot of folks collectively together to really bring this vision into, you know, fruition and and to make it a reality. So many former student leaders as well as um, who are now alumni. And so that is, I think, what's really cool about the new um, center is the fact that a big stakeholder are the alumni, and right. they're excited to see this, you know, become a reality. And the lesson we see in this, and Maggie, you mentioned that earlier. I mean, it's kind of started out in many ways like Black Students, Black Student Alliance. Then you got the CORES group. Then they mm-hmm. formed the coalition. Then you got more momentum, ASMSU, mm-hmm. RHA. Yeah. And all of the huh? other student huh, organizations got involved, and it became a university-wide, campus-wide, and alumni, yeah. and all of those come together, and that's how change really happens. Yeah, yeah. I would say, um, as I guess my final thought, like you said, like you see why I was so convincing to President Stanley. I'm actually not even the one that talked to him during who, who during the was whole it? thing. Who was it? It was Dante um, Booker and oh, Leslie wow, Hernandez wow, who are wow. actually the ones to speak. Wow. Um, so it's so impactful because that's what shows that it was a team effort because I know my strengths. My strengths are not negotiation. <laughs> um, like I know, like my strength I, is. I, don't, to... I think she's lying. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not the Sharon I know. Man. That's not the Sharon I know. Man, so. At the moment, my strength was not negotiation, and it took a team effort to even get me to where I am today to be, or to, I guess, be the student leader that I was on campus. Like it took a team to get me there because that is not who I How stepped funny. on this campus was. Mm. That was not who I stepped on this campus as by far. But with the help of administrators, faculty, staff, students, and now alumni, like, we got to where we were and I got to where I am because of them. So it wasn't like, it wasn't me. Like, I'm not even the result of myself. I'm the result of my village who was behind me and who helped to push me up. So. And then, you know, one thing I'm going to say this, this is Black History Month. And, you know, I was in administration for a long time. And, I used to try to prove Frederick Douglass wrong. I said, he said, uh, 
Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never has and it never will. And I was trying to say, why can't administration prove him wrong and just do things for students without them making a demand? And unfortunately, he remains correct. <laughs> Power concedes nothing without a demand. Well, on that, on that note, let's uh, close our discussion on Michigan State University's soon-to-be and long-sought-for multicultural center that's officially uh, a, a go from the Board of Trustees. And we've been talking about that with Maggie Chen Hernandez, who joined us on the telephone. She's recently retired and was the director of Mosaic, the Multicultural Unity Center. Uh, Sharon Reed Davis was our student representative. Sharon, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And we had Vennie Gore, Senior Vice President of Student Life and Engagement at Michigan State University, who really pushed this over the goal line for the, the final touchdown. Vennie, always good to see you, sir. And, and an unsung hero yes. in the whole process. <laughs> no doubt. He would be too no. humble to say no, no. so. And that's, prof that's Professor Lee June, an MSU icon. So great to have him on MSU today, finally. More, a lot more information simply at mccenter.msu.edu. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.